What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. I think I just got an epiphany. That's something I guess I'd never really stopped to consider. This is like deep. I never thought about it. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly. I haven't really looked at it that way before. Yeah, this is sounds cool. That just now came to me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host, and I have the privilege of wrapping up a two-part series on PTSD. You see, last episode, I started with a question that came in from a listener. Rachel had actually been diagnosed with PTSD about four years ago and was trying to help understand the way she should approach that. So last episode, I did my best to just describe what is PTSD in general. And in general, it is another mental illness or mental disorder uh, that that brings with it its own interpretive requirements, right? So if you hearken back to the, by the way, I'm, I'm trying to stop say hearken, so you guys bear with me. I got to find a better term that sounds more intellectual. Super hearken will be the new word. Oh, okay. All right. Back on point. You should actually consider the mind versus brain episodes. And one in particular talks about the diagnostic method for mental illness. So PTSD, I wouldn't put it in a physiological disease category. Remember, it's more of a grouping of symptoms. And if you have hyperarousal, psychomotor agitation, intrusive thoughts, if you're very jumpy, like jump scared, then you'll generally be diagnosed with PTSD. And many people wonder what causes PTSD. That's the two million and a half, three thousand four hundred nine dollar question because no one can really tell you what is not traumatic. Let me say that in a positive way. Trauma is very subjective. So what is traumatic for you may not be traumatic for me. And I don't think as a Christian, we have to really get down on that idea because I even know experientially, there are periods of my life where certain things were very burdensome to me, but even now those same things would not be as burdensome. And so I think, well, you know, just different phases and seasons of my own life, I have seen things are less traumatic. And there are some traumas that people face that seem very minuscule to us, but it's actually quite significant to them. And conversely, the same could be true. There are traumas that we experience that really aren't that impactful for others. So when you think about the nuances of what is and what is not trauma, I don't know if you necessarily have to have a definitive answer. You just want to again, uh, excuse me, you want to begin to think about the response to that event. So if it was a one-time event, if it was a period, how do we help equip you with responding to that? Last episode, I started to use terms that the Bible uses regarding what comprises PTSD. Uh, yes, I did use the term anxiety. And I, I mean anxiety in the sense that sometimes what anxiety looks like is that you're thinking about the future, you're worried about the future, you're worried about responses, and in the end, you actually have to grow in your trust of the Lord. I talked about the idea of fear, and fear, fear being blended with anxiety, but think of unwarranted fears. Think of fears that are grandiose. They're not grounded in reality and possibilities. Think of those as fears. I, I did bring in the idea of guilt, shame, regret, 
and reinterpreting some of those, reinterpreting your circumstances. And then lastly, I kind of use the idea of intrusive thoughts that often come with the idea of PTSD. And by intrusive thought, we simply mean usually there's a trigger that reminds you of what happened. So car accident, combat, childhood, whatever that original instance was, those are intrusive thoughts. So when we talk about these things, I want to give you this overarching principle, and this is something that I'm going to continue to hold fast to, and hopefully it provides clarity for you. PTSD is shaped almost unilaterally by your interpretation of the trauma. Let me explain, but I'm going to repeat myself before I explain that PTSD is almost unilaterally shaped by your interpretation of the traumatic event. That means that when something potentially traumatic happens in your life, let's use a car accident, for example, the way you interpret that really begins to shape your future symptoms or your lack of future symptoms. I've been in one car accident that was bad enough for the airbags to deploy. And let's say that that car accident incites within me fear of riding in cars and I begin to avoid riding in cars and I begin to get extremely anxious and fearful when getting back into a car to travel anywhere that I'm going. In that moment, my response to the trauma came through the interpretive grid of my mind. So when I begin to interpret using cognition, using your mind, then I'm engaging in the reality that this is something that doesn't just happen to me, but PTSD is an interpretive reality. And based off of my interpretation will influence my responses. So when a person says, you know what, I trust the Lord, that car accident was not great, but ultimately I'm in his hands and I'm going to trust him today when I drive. Well, then it doesn't lead to avoidance of cars. It doesn't lead to fear. It doesn't lead to psychomotor agitation and insomnia. But when a person thinks, wow, I almost died, I could die. Car accidents, is uh, they can be dangerous. And if I'm not careful, a car accident could take my life. And then what about my family? And what about, and what about, and what about? You see, in that same instance, you have two different responses based off of the interpretation. So listener, just remember that if you are interpreting it through the lens of scripture, then the reality will be that you are going to respond in a way that matches what the scripture says. But if we begin to respond in anxiety or fear, or we're not dealing with past sins and traumatic moments like guilt and regret and shame that come from that, then we are more prone to developing the symptoms of PTSD. In fact, and I know research is not authoritative, but in the book that I wrote on this, there was research put out by West Point that said, if you have a religious worldview, you are more equipped to respond to traumatic moments and less inclined to develop PTSD. Because you know what to do with the big questions of life. You know what happens when you die. You know what to do whenever you have sinned or you need to grant forgiveness. You have wrestled with the question about the problem of evil and justice in the world. So if you have a religious worldview, and West Point wasn't trying to support a a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview, West Point was just simply saying that if you have a religious worldview, you actually respond to trauma better. 
So say it in a negative way. If you don't know what to do with life after death, if you don't know what to do with justice and evil in this world, if you don't know what to do with your mistakes when you sin against a person in an egregious way, if you have no worldview to support those, then those traumatic moments are actually going to be much more difficult for you. So it's it's surprising to see secular research continue to affirm what the Bible has always said. God's word is always right and its answers are always better. So as we begin to move, I'd like you to grab a Bible with me and go over to Romans and I'd like you to turn to chapter six. And I want to introduce this thought before we take our break. Sometimes PTSD confuses us, and we don't know exactly how to approach those that have been diagnosed with PTSD. And even in our own self-conception, maybe we're like Rachel, where you're listening to this and you have been diagnosed with PTSD. I want to give you an overarching principle that is true for Christians who have been diagnosed with PTSD, and it is this. If you've been diagnosed with PTSD, it is still not acceptable for us to give in to sinful actions. It's not acceptable and it's not necessary. I don't have to give in to sinful actions. That comes from passages like these. This is Romans 6, verse 6. We know, speaking of believers, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. At the moment of your conversion, you are dead. Your old person is now dead and you are alive in Christ through your union with Christ. The last part of the verse says this, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So you are dead. Paul's going to say in Galatians 2.20 that I am dead. I'm now alive in Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My old person has died so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Because of the Holy Spirit making you new again at the moment of your conversion, you are freed from the power of sin. That is positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. I no longer have to sin, and that's true for you. So when a person receives the diagnosis of PTSD as a believer, we still know that they do not have to sin. Now, may there, may there be actual temptations that your body is prompting you with towards sin? I have no problem with that. We'll talk about that more after the break. I have no problem with that. May there be temptations based off of your circumstances and your past that tempt you to sin? Yes, I have no problem with that either. And I think theologically, there is no problem with your body inclining you to sin. And yet, by God's work in you, through the Holy Spirit, you have been freed from sin. So if you have PTSD, we are never going to legitimize sinful actions under the label of PTSD. We'll take a short break. When we come back, I'll pick up with that and the different manifestations that typically come with PTSD. We will be right back. We'll be back with more from Dr. Gifford in just a moment as he continues his discussion on PTSD. Very, very helpful discussion the last couple of weeks, and he'll continue down that path in just a moment. And if you want to dive deeper into the subject of PTSD, well, Dr. Gifford himself has written a very, very practical guide called Helping Your Family Through PTSD, and you can find it at transformed.org. And he dives deeper into this subject, helping you to come alongside loved ones who are struggling with PTSD. 
and more people than you realize are struggling with PTSD. And he can help you navigate what a wise counselor looks like in this situation. It's someone who comes close to understand and listen and help carry burdens of those close to them and not someone who rushes to solutions or explanations. And so you can get helping your family through PTSD by Dr. Greg Gifford right now by visiting transformed.org. And as we've been telling you for the last year, producing resources like Transformed and all of the other resources that you can find with Gospel Partners Media, it takes support from supporters just like you. We like to call you Gospel Partners because it's not just supporting us, but you're actually partnering with us and together you allow us to bring hope and practical help to struggling people all over the world. So you can visit transform.org if you want to join us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. All of the answers to the questions that you likely have about this can be found at transformed.org. And speaking of equipping, if you have been thinking about and praying about becoming a biblical counselor, well, first of all, I want to commend you and recommend that you actually do that because our churches, our local churches are in dire need of more and more biblical counselors and biblical counseling ministries. And we can help you get the ball rolling because we have some resources available at transform.org, one of which I would recommend to you now. It's called Christ-Centered Biblical Counseling by Bob Kelman and Stephen Byers. This book helps you take scripture and apply it to the lives of people that are struggling and that are hurting all around you. Christ-Centered Biblical Counseling by Bob Kelman and Stephen Byers is available right now at transformed.org. And that's going to do it for me. Let's get back to Dr. Greg Gifford now as he continues in the second half of this episode talking about and discussing PTSD. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. We have a tendency to let our feelings be the engine that drives our lives. And when we do, despair is soon to follow. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks for all your hard work, sir. I do, again, commend to you Transformed, the store. In fact, I was on it as I was preparing for today's episode and just continuing to be impressed by the resources that are there. Where we left off was this idea of if you receive the label of PTSD, it still does not legitimize sinful action as a believer. So as a believer, you have God's spirit dwelling in you. First Corinthians 6, 19, you have been born again by the spirit of God. John 3, Titus 3, 5. There is no way, no, no way that you can say, I must give in to my anger because I have PTSD. It doesn't take a lot of research. You can Google this. What are some of the ways that PTSD manifests itself in destructive patterns? Anger and violence, domestic violence are usually the top of that list. In my context, it's typically working with men who have been in combat. They're wrestling with controlling their emotions. They're wrestling with controlling their impulses and some of the habituated things they have learned. Biblically speaking, we know that unrighteous anger is sinful. And yes, Ephesians 4.26 does make it clear that you can be righteously angry. Yes, that is a possibility. But I'll tell you what I tell my students here at Masters. It's a possibility, but not a probability. Most of us are going to sinfully express our anger and on the rare exception, get it right. 
when we talk about anger and PTSD, it's never a legitimate response. So as a Christian, as a believer, there's no, there's no allowance. We don't say something like, well, you know, they have PTSD. They were diagnosed with PTSD. They can't help it. Nope. Why? Because we know sinful anger is a sin. Violence. We know violence is a sin. When you are at the point of being murderously angry, to use Jesus's words in Matthew 5, when you get to the point of murder, you've already harbored anger in your heart, and it culminates in physical violence. Where does violence come from? Sin in your heart. If you've been diagnosed with PTSD, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you may have an inclination to get violent, and maybe some of that was part of your training in the police or in the military. Hey, I get it. But if you are violent, that is a sin. And not only is it a sin, it's illegal in our country. So there are consequences that will correspond to that. But according to the scripture, you never have to give in to your anger, which culminates in violence. You never have to get violent. And if you do, you are being sinful. There are ramifications for this with kids who have been diagnosed with PTSD. And I'll give you some thoughts on that here before we finish today's episode. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we do not have to give in to that Romans 6, 6. Another one, alcohol use. I hate to say this, but any plying one's self with the use of substances to include prescriptions and to include non-prescriptions, alcohol and illegal substances, when you are using alcohol in an excessive way, then you are being foolish according to the scripture and you are being controlled by something other than the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. So you do not have to be a drunkard if you have been diagnosed with PTSD. And if you are giving in to being a drunkard, that's the biblical term for an alcoholic, your PTSD cannot make you do that. Why do I say that with such clarity? Because that is sin. Being a drunkard is sin. So why would I say PTSD cannot make you a drunkard? Well, I would say that because of the fact that if you are not careful, you're legitimizing the use of alcohol or you're legitimizing the use of someone else's alcohol because of PTSD. But believer, hear me on this. God's spirit indwells you. You never, ever, ever, ever have to give in to sin. There is no temptation that's overtaking you that's not common to man, but God is faithful. And with that temptation, he will give you the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So that's true for alcohol. One last one, and this came up in the context of a gentleman who had been retired from the military, medical retirement, and he now collects a pension from the military. You get a certain level of disability if you're medically retired. And he had been retired for PTSD. And his wife told me that what he does now throughout the majority of his day is piddle. You guys know the Georgia term piddle? I don't know how to spell it, but it basically means just sit around and not do anything. Just piddle around the house and play solitaire on the computer. And because he has PTSD, there was kind of created this space where, oh, he can't work anymore. He's got PTSD. So what does he do? He's lazy and idle. Idleness is unbiblical. It doesn't mean you have to get paid or that you need to go back to work, but it does mean that you need to be diligent. In fact, you may have non-remunerative work, which is working around the house or craftsmen or volunteering at the church, but yet you're still working. If you're letting PTSD lead you to be idle, you're actually engaging in sinful living. 
Maybe you need a reduced schedule. Yes, I get it. Maybe you need to be removed from the front line. Maybe you need administrative duty for a little bit and get off the streets when we're talking about police officers. Totally. More power to you. But that is different from us sitting at the house playing solitaire. You're never legitimately going to pursue idleness as a result of PTSD. So how do you think about it? Well, each of those would be wrong expressions because of the fact that we are to be diligent workers, 2 Thessalonians 3. Paul tells the Thessalonians, if you don't work, you don't eat. So you cannot piddle around the house and be lazy because you are called to be diligent and serving the Lord in your industrious efforts. So let me let me land the plane. So, so remember that, that no sin is legitimate. So let me land the plane. And some of these are going to come from uh, the book that I wrote on PTSD and just from general counseling experience in this way. So first, I'm encouraging you to, to take Philippians 4, 8, and renew your mind with the truth of Scripture. And we did a series on intrusive and blasphemous thoughts here, and then also about guilt and shame. And I would encourage you to revisit those episodes. But when you're having intrusive thoughts, you need to take them captive and renew them with the truth of what Scripture says. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 5 and Philippians 4, 8. For those that have been diagnosed with PTSD and they're in your family, they're your child, what I would say is that you maintain this expectant graciousness with them, that you want to be understanding, but you're also expecting that they're growing and honoring the Lord in this. We're not going to legitimize anger, violence, alcohol, laziness. Rather, we are going to be gracious and we're going to expect that they're growing and they're working, but yet maybe give them some space to continue to grow and to work. We know that you can have self-control because of the Holy Spirit. So renew your mind, expectant graciousness, expect self-control. And then let me give you just a couple of thoughts for kids that have been diagnosed with PTSD. You know, here's my two cents on this. First of all, I have learned a lot from the foster adopt community. And if I were to speak into this without their insights, I really do feel like I would be at a loss. But many of the parents speak to the trauma that their foster adopt kids have faced at very young ages. So my first encouragement to you would be to go to an experienced, spiritually sound, adopt slash foster family and get their insights on your child's diagnosis and the way it's manifesting itself. Because that is going to allow you to differentiate between sin and rebellion in your own child's heart and maybe learn tendencies that they have, learned ways of behavior that they had to have when they were bouncing between foster homes. So reach out to a wise, experienced uh, foster adopt family and get their insight. Someone that's just a couple of seasons ahead of you, or maybe their foster adopt child has actually just moved out. Perfect. That is the season of life that we want to look to. But my two senses is that there are legitimate traumas that have happened to these kids and they have learned to respond in different ways. And as best as I can tell, some of it is a learned response and not overt rebelliousness. Does that remove total depravity from these children? No, it does not. It does not. But if you and I were bounced in between homes as kids, we would probably face similar things. So we want to approach that in a gracious and understanding way. So find that community, embed yourself with them, get their counsel. So as you know, when you're, when you're thinking through PTSD from the macro picture as a mental illness, we just want to approach it as such. We want to take that term, reinterpret it 
through the lens of scripture and then begin to develop our response to it. And if our children have been diagnosed with PTSD, if they're coming from a foster adopt background, then we're trying to help them do the same thing while delineating between rebelliousness on their part and maybe learn behaviors and learn tendencies that they've developed throughout the process. So in the end, there's hope. There's hope. Why? Because the Bible sheds light into God's plan. There's hope because we can find forgiveness for sins we've committed in our past. There's hope because we know that we don't have to be stuck. We are not the sum total of people's actions to us. God the Spirit indwells us and He enables us to live fruitfully today. So PTSD does not identify us, but our identity in Christ is our identity. So I need to be done for today. Let me pray for you. So this concludes our two-part series. But as we finish, I know that I'll have future opportunities to speak into PTSD. So I hope you'll stay tuned to pick up on those future episodes. Let me pray. Lord, I know that there are many who are listening to this where PTSD has been their label. And like Rachel, they're trying to figure out what what do they do in response? How do they think about this? Is this a physical issue? Is this an issue of their mind? Give the listener grace to be discerning, uh, not to be calloused, uh, not to have a mentality of just saying, hey, just drive on and suck it up, but actually to pause and listen, and then to take your word and apply it in a way that is helpful. Lord, that's not easy work to listen and to apply your word acutely with specificity. So give us grace to do that, and may you be honored as we seek to honor your word in our life, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, of course, is transformed.org, and it is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends and church family. Also, would you prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly Gospel Partner? And until next time, go serve your King. 